0: Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the Man of the Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, dear friends and distinguished listeners to Navigate with I.D. such an honor and privilege. Uh, to congratulate you, dear fellow citizens, on our 62nd Independence Anniversary. I know we are still basking under the euphoria of the Independence Anniversary. And of course, it's a new month and it's a new direction for every one of us. We bless God for the opportunity that he has given to us to be alive, to see our country move from one age to another. You know, it's been quite interesting and very, I would say, uh, maybe the word to use is, would I say exhilarating? When you look at the sheer pump, and entry, and the optimism, you know, that Nigerians have shown, even in the midst of so much that you can necessarily say will be pullbacks. All through the Independence Day celebration and even after up till now and with the public holiday that was given, you found people still coming out with that nostalgia, sense of duty and loads of laughter, I dare say, Um, because they just knew that something good was still going to happen. There's faith that this country will get better. And I think that's a good place to be, friends. And as we start this new month, I just thought that, it was important to look at an essential part. As you know, this is a business school on radio. And we will continually focus on the business part of it, which is about productivity, which is about how we're going to do things differently as a people, not necessarily sitting back and mourning, but then we'll look at how our businesses, whether you are an employer, or an employee, or an aspiring employer or employee, whichever way. I just want you to understand that we have an opportunity to build our country. We have an opportunity to enhance the value of our country. And by the grace of God, we will get there. Friends, I've been having a very excellent read and time with a book titled Truth and Transformation. A Manifesto for Alien Nations, written by Vishal Mangalwadi. Very interesting book. You know, if you're an interested reader like myself, just pick up a copy, look for it, pick up a copy and um, make it uh, an essential part of your uh, month of October read. It will be great. I'd like to start from there because I'll be looking at uh, values and culture as the overarching Subjects that we'll be talking about, especially when we start getting into talking about businesses. But permit me to really use an excerpt from this book, which I read, the early part of the book, which was very interesting because we're talking about values and culture. I want to take an excerpt from the very um, page 26, especially the topic was around morality. And here, the writer, Vishal Mangawadi, was given an expression. I'll try to paraphrase how he went to a certain country uh, with his wife, Ruth. The country they went to was Holland. And they had to visit one of their hosts in the person of Dr. Jan Barneveld. And visiting the host, Dr. Barneveld, Dr. Barnevelt invited Vishal and his wife to go with him to the dairy farm. And they decided to honor it. So by the time they were about going on this trip, it was now the two of them. As he records in his book on page 26 following, he says the two of us walked to the dairy farm through the beautiful Dutch countryside with gorgeous moss-covered trees. I had never seen such a dairy. It had a hundred cows. There were no staff on site, and it seemed amazingly clean and orderly. He now paraphrased and went back in a retrospect to his country by saying, "In India, we had a small dairy of our own, but our dairy had two workers, and it was filthy and smelly." The contrast captured my attention because in the region where I served, at least 75% of the women spent an hour or two every day collecting cow dung with their bare hands. They carried it in their baskets on their heads, to their backyards, and turned it into cow dung cakes for cooking fuel. Now, the Dutch dairies surprised me because no one was there to milk the cows. This is the central gist of what I'm about to, you know, share with you. He said, I had never heard of machines milking cows. and pumping the milk into a huge tank. We walked into the milk room and no one was there to sell the milk. I expected Jan to ring a bell. That's the author saying he expected his host to ring a bell. But instead, he just opened the tap, put his jug under it and filled the jug. Then he reached up to a windowsill, took down a bowl full of cash, took out his wallet, put 20 guilders into the bowl, took some change, put the change in his pocket, put the bowl back, picked up his jug, and started working. And then Vishal said he was stunned. And he said to his host, if you were an Indian, you would take the milk and the money. And his host, and laughed. And he went on to say that a few years later, he told the same story in Indonesia and an Egyptian gentleman laughed the loudest. As all eyes turned to him, the Egyptian now said to him, and he explained, he said, we are cleverer than Indians. He said, if it were Egypt, that same situation, he said, we would take the milk, the money, and the cows. Now, by the time he went back to Holland he could understand why people laughed when he had to share that particular joke. Now think about this. If this was Nigeria, what would happen? Here you find an Indian finding himself in Holland going to a dairy farm with his host and there was not a single soul and everything was working without an individual. And that in itself should a high level trust that was embedded in the society. A place where you can get into the dairy farm and all you just see will be the cows. Machines are pumping the milk into tanks and all you need to do is walk up, take your jug, take as much milk as you have and then walk away. Pay. Take your change and put everything in there and then you would go. Now, what the central message here speaks to values and culture. But when he looked at his own country, which was India, he said, naturally, what would they do? They would just, you know, take the milk, the money, and the cows, and nothing would be left. Um, that's what the Egyptian said, I beg your pardon. But then, if it was India, he said they would take the milk and the money. And I'm saying to you, if this is Nigeria, or if that were Nigeria, what would happen? So you find that... When consumers are dishonest, it is because the supply system is also dishonest. Everything around dishonesty gets into a price where everyone has to pay. If the consumer and the suppliers are dishonest, why would the inspectors be honest? Of course, they would extract bribes from the suppliers. If they didn't get the bribes, they will use one law or another to make sure that the sale is delayed enough to make the non-refrigerated meal cuddle. So who would pay for the bribes? But I can tell you, initially it's the supplier, but eventually it's the consumer. So the Dutch understand how that ecosystem runs. And that's why truth, trust is a major enabler and a strong value contender That needs to shape businesses. Otherwise, countries of necessity may not necessarily be able to be productive. It is on this note, friends, I want to open up a vista of conversations around values and culture. I want to talk to you because many of us are striving to make this nation of ours great again. I can tell you that without the small, medium scale entrepreneurs, and enterprises, this nation will not grow. This nation will not achieve the place of greatness. Thank God for all our multinationals. Thank you for the thanks to the big corporations. But they can't make our nation great again. It is the small, medium, and large enterprises all together with a large skew to the small and medium. Enterprises that will make the nation productive and to be able to pummel the nation to greatness. Nigeria at 62 means that we need to have a clear reset agenda, a reset of our minds, a reset of our ways, and a reset on things that will make life easy. That is why I started by reading the title of the book. And I love it. I've been, that's the book I'm currently reading, Truth and transformation. Without truth, there can't be transformation. We must tell ourselves some very hidden truths. And how do those truths come? They come when we look at things and say what they are and not what they ought to be. Now, let me put out a quote here, because we are now talking about values and culture. Again, this quote is coming from, is an excerpt from another book called Performance Leadership or titled Performance Leadership, by Frank Butenjik. And there you would find him saying, and this is a very big question that also translated into a conversation which we will take. How would you respond if your friend who hit a pedestrian with his car were to ask you to provide false testimony in court? I'm asking you a direct question. Such a situation poses a dilemma. Truth versus friendship. Some cultures tend to honor the law. Others favor the friendship. But both types of culture feel their response proves a core value, which is integrity. Let me share a personal experience. Very many years ago, precisely, I think this was in 19... 90, thereabout 1990, I was serving, um, that's the National Youth Service in Port Harkot River State. I was at ELF Nigeria Limited. And this was about May, June, thereabout. My friend, who happened to be my best friend and best man, Otu Moran, speaking of his name publicly, so you know that I'm telling you about. Something that really happened. Um, he had gotten a job at Nigerian Breweries at that time. He was a personnel officer, and at that particular period, Nigerian Breweries had um, opened the floodgates for management trainees, and they had, you know, advertised in the papers. So here yeah, I was, where I was in Port Harcourt. I didn't even call him, or I didn't say anything, and I applied. But there were conditions precedent. way back then. I remember that we needed to put in certain things as part of the requirements, one of which was a copy of your call-up letter for NYSC, And you needed to have a second-class degree, um, lower, and all of that, and the disciplines, because it was an open-field management trainee program. So I applied. Of course, I was still serving as a copper, as a youth copper. And we're all, you know, hoping that afterwards we'll get jobs. And so someday my friend calls me up and says, oh boy, I see your application and everything. But you didn't put everything that they wanted. Number one, your call-up letter is not there. Number two, this one is not there. I'm personally disqualifying you. You are disqualified. And they said your, your application is going straight into the bin. I just told him, I said, go and sit down, Joe. You are not serious. You know, we laughed about it. But seriously, he called me to let me know that, listen, you may be my best friend. You may, at that time, I wasn't married, so he was not my best man. But I'm telling you, this was my best pal. All the way, growing up years in the university, you know, our folks that went to uh, Unicross, as it was called then, would tell you, we were like five and six. We lived in the same house the same apartment, but we studied different courses, but we're in the same faculty. Social sciences, he studied geography, I studied economics. So we're best of friends. He graduated a year before me and he got a job with Nigerian Bruins. And here was a chance for him to have looked the other way, but he did not. He called me and said I am disqualifying you because you didn't obey the rules. Did that in any way stop our friendship? The answer is no. Did that in any way pose a dilemma? The answer is no. I took it in my strides, but I learned a bitter lesson. What was that bitter lesson? Always complete everything that is required of you. Do not assume that the owners or the purveyors of that particular thing do not know what they are doing. Fast forward a few months after, Guinness Nigeria also released their own management trainee program and we're seeking for applications. It was at that stage, I then applied to Guinness for the management trainee role. This time around, I did not take anything for granted. I made sure I ticked all the boxes. Big lesson learned from what had happened. Why am I saying this, friends? We're talking about values and culture. If you were the one in that boat with your best friend, and your best friend were to disqualify you from a contract, from an opportunity for you to step into a place, what would you call him? You would call him all kinds of names. You would probably, most would say, no, we can never be friends again. But I'm talking way back about 1990, 1989, 1990. This will be how many years ago? Close to 33 years ago. Does that in any way change Or did it change my outlook with O2? Did it change our friendship? We went on to live together. I was my best man. And today, we're still friends. Our families are still as close and tight. And you will not imagine it. But I learned my lesson. I went ahead to go through that process with Guinness. And by the grace of God, I was one of the 11 that were chosen in my group or my set then to join Guinness Nigeria the management training scheme in 1991. So here we are. I'm just speaking to a beginning about values and culture. I started by reading this particular question to you and next up from the book that I did say to you, but actually this particular quote is um, accredited to F. Trumpenna says, how would you respond if your friend who hit a pedestrian with his car were to ask you to provide false testimony in court? How would you respond? How would you respond if today your best friend is the one sitting atop the organization and awarding contracts and you do not fulfill the conditions and it takes you out how would you respond like you noted such a situation poses a dilemma it is a dilemma because the contest between truth versus friendship while some cultures tend to honor the law others favor the friendship look at what is happening within our political sphere why do we have so much challenges it's a simple Story. The electoral laws are there. The laws are there. But people interpret their greed into the creed. It's a battle between truth versus friendship. Oh, because you're my friend, I will negate the truth. And we begin to erode our values. We erode our culture as a people. And so when you see a Nigerian, what do you call a Nigerian? We have given ourselves names, titles all because a lot of people are not ready to follow the dimension of truth. Truth is truth. And when the arrow of truth shoots, there can never be a trace of falsehood. That is a quote that I'll credit to my father in the faith, Dr. Bakary. He will always tell you truth is truth. Speak the truth in season. And even the Holy Book admonishes us to be truth speaking. In season and out of season, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. These are fundamental precipices that you will build a society. While some cultures tend to honor the law, others favor the friendship. But I'll tell you, both types of culture feel their response proves a core value. There's a core value they both think. It proves it's that value of integrity. I'm speaking to the heart of small business owners, small entrepreneurs, small or medium entrepreneurs, enterprises. You are just sitting in that small corner of your shop or in that business of yours and you are transacting a business and really and truly you are asking yourself Can this business get me there? Do you know that millions of your type, with what you do decently and in order, with the relationships you cultivate, that will make this country grow better again? How? Because as you grow, you need more hands. We will not be talking about unemployment if we are honest and truthful to one another. We will not be talking about unemployment if people can stay true to their calling, if people can actually say, this is how best I want to live, honestly. Can you imagine the picture I painted at the beginning using that dairy farm in Holland where there was absolutely no human being seen at all, but the system was working. How was it working? All you need to do, there is a stipulation. If you come with a jog, the jog is going to cost X guilder. And then you take that jog, take the milk yourself because the cows are being milked by machines and they're put into a tank. Your own duty is to go there with your jog and then take your quantity as you require and then put the money where it should be. If you need to have your change, there's change there, take your money away. Simple accounting. But do you know what that system does? It tells you that trust is the underlining factor there. Because if that system had to employ people, at every point, the cost will be added from the point where the cow is being milked to the point where they are going to serve you and you need a receipt. You will need people all the way. Thank God for technology that is beginning to, you know, take away the human interface. But even with that, it comes to how values shape a society. And we're coming from that optimal place to look at the values dimension. What do I mean by the values dimension? It is where the operational and analytical dimensions aim to optimize business performance. It is where you and I will see the social unvalued dimensions of performance leadership that you and I need to come to the cradle with something more than what we are doing. That we must be ready. We must be ready. The reason why a lot of things are costly in our society is because there's an add-on and, and, and the supplier pays a bribe to the inspector. And because of that, the supplier will add some more money to recoup the money he paid the inspector that came to inspect his land or whatever. Government officials will go for inspection. And when they get there, they are bribed. You think the owner of the business is just going to throw away money? He will add it to the cost. And when he adds it to the cost, who is the person that will pay? The person that ultimately pays is the last man in defense. The last man in defense is a consumer or the customer. So having paid for all of these excesses and these things, what are the chances that you will have surplus money left? You cannot have surplus money left to take care of your children. You cannot have surplus money to meet your needs. That's why um, take home does not take us home because the foundations of morality have already been floundered. Why? Little, little foxes that spoil the vine. The person who makes and sells ice cream will add value to the milk, whereas the sales girl, the inspectors, and the bribe add nothing. But at the end, in paying for them, you as a consumer, you simply pay for someone's sin. Why do you covert and steal your neighbor's property or money? Friends, the high price of sin makes it difficult for us as a people to buy anything as little as ice cream. Why? Because the price of sin, stealing, coercing, prevents us from patronizing genuine economic activity. This culture of distrust and dishonesty robs us of money that would have been used to provide a better life for our children and productive employment for our neighbors and ourselves. That is the bane of our country, friends. So as we look at this 62nd anniversary, let's ask ourselves some very basic questions about truth and transformation. We'll be back on the second half, friends. This is just the beginning. By the grace of God, we'll see a light at the end of the tunnel. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and distinguished listeners to the second half of Navigate with ID. This is a shout out to every one of us on our 62nd anniversary as a nation and as a people. We're grateful to God for letting us come through, friends. Like we've always said, the best days are still ahead. We are hopeful and we will continue to be hopeful that our country will be saved, our country will be changed, and Nigeria will become great again. We've been looking at a very interesting topic, just in case you're joining us afresh, on values and culture. In the first half, I tried to paint a picture by sharing some of the nuggets and excerpts from a book I'm currently reading, um, titled Truth and Transformation by Vishal Mangawadi. Vishal is an Indian and also is um, a very good writer that carries so much uh, within his arsenal of pen, his arsenal of knowledge. So if you want to, you know, flip through, you can Google and also find out other publications he's put together. But here we are looking at um, several things and one of it That really speaks to the heart of what we discussed was the fact that the lack of trust and honesty would always create dissensions in the society. And moving from there, in the last, um, just in the last half, I talked about how this whole idea of paying for stuff. You know, we come from the the place of bribery and when bribery kicks in, it prevents us from patronizing genuine economic activity. It has become a culture because a culture of distrust and dishonesty robs us as a people of money that we could have used to provide a better life for our children, our posterity and the productive employment, you know for our neighbors, for ourselves and for our kinsmen. And I did share all of that premised on the the thought that Vishal put together about his visit to the dairy farm and his host took him to the farm and he saw all that happened. That visit to the dairy farm helped him to understand why a small country such as the Netherlands is able to donate money to a much larger nation, such as India. It helps Visual understand how it is possible to get what your fellow passenger would have been telling you in some way and in some place and explaining what economic experts avoid talking about. And it's about that moral integrity. That moral integrity is a huge factor behind the unique socio-economic and socio-political success of a nation. So where did this morality come from? Why isn't my own society in Nigeria, my own society in Lagos, my own society and my own community equally trustworthy? Why is my own business community not trustworthy? But one thing you will notice if you look at the entire West, especially Western Europe, Education was a key force that helped to transform Western Europe. But religious reformers, you know, also found a way to civilize generations in order to create a new Europe at that time. This is all about history. But one thing I'd like to put on the table, friends, is if you are sitting as an employer or an employee and you're running a small scale business, or you want to start, or you have already started, it's important to ask yourself, why are moral foundations floundering? What are values? And what are the values? How can we dimensionalize values? If moral integrity is foundational to prosperity, so why are secular experts not talking about it? You know why? The reason is because the universities no longer know whether moral laws are true universal principles or mere social conventions made up to restrict our freedom. And why don't they know? Because everyone tends to have lost the secret of success. Because they have lost the very idea of truth. Truth will always be lost because of intellectual arrogance. People will reject divine revelation and try to discover truth with their own human minds alone and their experiences. And they begin to shape values based on that. And it becomes a culture. So when you ask yourself, the business you're about to run now, where did you get the experience from? You say, ah. Did you read it? Did you go to school for it? Oh, blessed are those that go to Ivy League, Harvard, NCN, well done. They quote them. But tell me, those that have been to Harvard and all those elitist business schools, why is business what it is? Why are you not able to bring those learnings to transform our nation, to transform the society where you are? What is at the very root of us not making it as a people? Why is our nation the way it is? Fundamentals are missing. Truth and trust, they are fundamental to transformation. But we can go on and on. Just look at the political stratosphere now. Men will tell lies openly, brazen lies, simply because they want power. And their followers will do everything to ensure that that lie stays. What they don't know is that laying a foundation for the future. Because posterity will come and see those flakes and think that they are real. But they are not real. They're not true. They're business. And so you find few men and few women coming out to speak truth to power. The ones that are in the minority are the ones that really speak up and they are drowned by the majority. But I have good news for you that this same place where every one of us that will sit in the place of truth have received shame will receive fame because of his name. It is written. And so it will be values shape the future. Values will shape the way you take on your business is not the way you have seen your uncle run his business that you run yours. Your uncle may have been crooked. Your uncle may have been adding one weight and one measure or removing a measure and then weigh it and put some stone under. You will take that same way and say, ah, this is the way I want to be making profits. That is not profit. You are profit line. You sell goods to people and you should change them. People's values and organizational values relate to each other. If you don't know it, friends, let me tell you, SMEs that want to build this country, young, small business entrepreneurs that want to build this country, you may start as a one-man business. Tomorrow, you become a two-man business. Next, tomorrow, you become a five-man business. But hear me and hear me loud and clear. Organizational values are an aggregation of the personal values of the key people within the organization. And they will attract people with the same values to the organization. It's the same thing as you looking at the political party. Look at the political enclave. The values that they will have in that party or that enclave are the personal values of the key people within that party. And they will end up attracting the same kind of people with the same values to their party. That's why there's only one party as far as I'm concerned. Is one party in this country. Don't fool yourself whether you said PD, PDP, APC, they are not. They are all of the same ilk because they have the same level of values. But there are some lone voices in there that are drowned that cannot come out to speak because they have to abide by the tenets of the party. And so they become guilty by association, not just guilty by association, they cannot effect and wield any change. And so, those of us that are onlookers or color spectators are watching the football match go on between two sides, who more or less switch jerseys as they want. Whenever they feel like this one takes on the jersey of the other, and they come on and they go to the same dressing room, but they are bound by the same kind of laws. But when these laws are supposed to be opened up and addressed, Just the same way you'll address a simple business, they start looking for loopholes to break it down. That's why our electoral system is always fraught because men sit down from the day the laws are enacted, they begin to think of how to break the laws. They begin to sit down. How does it come into the mind of an individual? The electoral law does not talk about spaceholder. Where did we get spaceholder from? It might be a coinage of the media. But how can someone just sit down and say, I want to go for this elected post, I'm vying for this post, makes all the noise, all the campaigns about it, comes out publicly to tell you he wants wants to be elected into this post. At the same time, he has put his foot into another position just in case he doesn't get this. He will then put his foot on the other. Then what does he do? He looks for someone around him, a crony. It has to be someone that has the same values like him and say, go and stand in for me. Because the law says you can resign, you will resign and I'll come and take that space. So there's this space holder. That concept is bastardized. A new kind of set of values are created into the electoral and the political system. And people are seeing, what do you think will happen in the years to come? They will of course want to be like that. That is how we have built our country. That is why we have not made any progress. And rather than people stand up to say, no, enough is enough, they salute them. They take the flags to their homes because they also are looking for a way. Chop, I chop. Eat, I eat. Give me, I give you. Why? And we take the same attitude to the productive part of our lives. Call it business. Call it service. Call it manufacturing. Call it production. Call it any name you want, friends. The values, dimension provides a guidance from within. From what drives the organization to be in business, from what would drive our nation to be in business. It is absolutely the raison d'etre of any organization or business. And for you to be recognized, it is what to make you sit well. So if you ask me, what is the shortest definition of organizational values? It is, what is good and what is bad in this organization? They are normative and judgmental. Organizational culture is very much related to values. But I must tell you, there isn't so much a difference. No. Organizational culture, the culture of the people, the way we run our businesses. Look at the average business in Nigeria, they all are almost run the same way. So there is a certain culture about running businesses. Organizational culture is a practical application of values in everyone's daily work. So, if in our daily work there is mistrust, there's dishonesty, what do you think will be the culture of every organization, every small business you find? They're looking for ways to outwit the other. We can't move this way. The political class are doing theirs. The economic class, oh, thank you very much. Even the regulators are all in it. Where do you want to go? Go into the religious institutions. They are looking for ways. That is what is happening. I mean, years ago, you had even within uh, one of the Christian uh, bodies uh, they had elections years ago, and it was seen as elections were being rigged. They just finished the NFF elections, and you're hearing all kinds of uh, accusations that men are—they are buying votes for dollars to go what to go and serve. In a football federation, God help me. Where did we miss all of this? You're wondering how, why? It's from daily transactions. Now, from sleep that they learn how to die. We have become a people without conscience. But you know the, my best way of defining conscience? Conscience is like a judge. It passes judgment. It does not make laws. But if you've gotten to the point where your conscience does not prick you, then there's trouble. So when you wonder why our businesses are all looking about the same, then you go to regulators. They are looking for loopholes. Now you even make it worse by going to the agencies, whether security or otherwise, or government agencies. They are looking for ways. People know why they are set up. Ministries, departments, and agencies know why they are set up. But what do they do? They look for little ways to shuffle files. It's the culture. The culture of of how we do business, the values dimension begins to get eroded. Why? Because it is a practical application of values in everyone's daily work, starting from the time they wake up. It is how people make decisions and solve problems. When people are making decisions and solving problems, it automatically shapes the way business is done. So culture becomes more prescriptive. People will tell you it is the way we do things around here. When I opened the conversation this day, I said, how would you respond if your friend who hit a pedestrian with his car were to ask you to provide false testimony in court? Think about this. How would you respond? Will you be truthful? Will you be honest? Or you would say, because it's your friend. No, I cannot allow my friend to be charged or go to jail. I have to tell a lie. But you forget you've just taken the oath. You've just sworn. Taking an oath. You don't know it's binding on you. It's a dilemma between truth and friendship versus friendship. Why is our country in the place where it is? Because we are constantly in dilemmas, ethical dilemma. You are a worker, you are in the office there. Someone comes to you and tells you, I will pay you, please. I don't want you to record 20, just record 10. And I'll give you X naira. You collect the X naira. You say, Well, as they never pay your salary, you justify it because they've not paid you salary. Does that justify the vacuum? Does it allow the man who has just come to bribe you? The moral right, does it give him that moral right to walk away? It's a moral foundation that is being floundered. You, the giver, you the taker, and the system is being formed. And then tell me what you would do with that money. Wealth that is gotten illicitly will go like vapor. <laughs> will go. That's why you find a lot of illicit business going on and there isn't productivity. Why do you think many want to be like others? I see young ladies, huge, both male and female, tell you, small girl, big God." what are the root of it? They are into some illicit business. And yet they come out to deceive the rest of the populace that this little business I'm doing, selling hair, Selling tapioca as provided for this. Come on. I've been a business manager for years. I've been a business executive for three decades. If that's the way, then Coca-Cola and all the companies I worked for, beginners, they should actually be in trillions and trillions of top line. Because they serve you door to door. How come they are not even able to post search overnight or within the period, building on the population as it grows? by 3% annually. Something is wrong. Wrong values that are being cascaded and it becomes a culture. Is the way we do things around here. You go to a certain community about the afternoon, early, mid-morning to afternoon, you see young people trooping in in their pajamas, night clothes, and what have you, coming there to buy food. And why? It's a culture. When you check the backend, they're coming in with C-class, S-class, and you're wondering, why? How? It starts from when you look at the social dimension, move to the operational dimension, then you'll get to the values dimension. You know why? It's a battle between the external perception, self-perception, and self. Many people from a self-perception standpoint are not authentic. Some have positive values, some have negative values, and they transmit this into an organizational culture. And it moves from there to where some in that self-space begin to have a self-perception. Some become narcissistic. Some just become aligned. It's a place of alignment. I want to align with this group. I want to be seen to be part of this. You can call it peer influence. You can call it anything. But to the rest of the world, you are selling ice cream. On Instagram, they know you as the ice cream seller. Well, you know you're not selling ice cream. You know the tubes of ice cream you're selling are just there for paparazzi. The reality is that if they take an analytical dimension into you, yourself, You're failing because you're doing what is not right. Why? Because of the external perception. There's a social dimension which is begging every day for transparency. Friends, if we are going to fix our country, we need a, a social dimension that speaks to transparency. And we must do it well because of posterity. Our children are growing up right before our eyes are seeing us they will carry the same things that we have done. Those foolhardy mistakes, they will carry them. Aren't you surprised that many times politicians don't showcase their families? They don't show us their families. How come the pictures of their families are not not really seen except people begin to dig out or something happens? Because the way a man would take care of his family would tell me if he can actually manage a state or even local government, not to talk of a nation. If a man cannot manage his family well and you cannot see the dimension of values and the culture, the DNA of that family, something is wrong. If authenticity is lacking, something is wrong. Honesty, everywhere we go, behaviors are what people do. Behaviors are very tangible. They can be observed and influenced long before you talk about any kind of results. If I know from a behavioral standpoint, you're crooked, there is no way your business can be straight. Your financial results will be crooked. I'm not being judgmental. But morning tells the day. My grandmother will always tell you. So when you find a man that is always drawing crooked lines, tell me how he will pay tax. He will look for ways to go and bribe so he doesn't pay. Or he will reduce the number so that he doesn't pay the tax. He will say, Oh, no, 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 that turnover, cut it by half. Why? Because he doesn't want to pay. Or he gets caught by the police, or he brings in goods. Custom duties are X. You know it is. You say, Oga, okay, put it all together, make I give you now. Why? This nation truly needs to walk into a space of truth. And transformation. And one thing that will drive us there and get us there is trust, friends. I am tired of looking through the newspapers. I'm tired of listening to the radio, the news, and most of what you hear are things that are non transformational. Whenever you watch in this season, it's all about the politicians and their antics, and most of it, a lot of mistrust, a lot of untruth. There's nothing true. If ten of the things that have been said, nine are false. So much falsehood being peddled. So when are we going to wake up to say enough is enough? It starts from the self. Your values dimension must begin to shape because like I've said, if we want to rely on SMEs as small medium scale enterprises to build this nation, We must all, as proprietors of small businesses, like you and I, decide that we want to shape the culture of our nation, that we want to bring in what you call strategic guidance from within, because the organizational culture is a practical application of values in everyone's daily work. October 1 signals independence. Can you, as an individual, become independent of all the things that are happening around you. I understand the whole maturity continuum. Yes, there's a stage where you start at dependence. That's the stage where you are a baby. You depend on your parents, depend on X, Y, Z. Then you move to interdependence or codependence. That's the place in which, you know, you rub shoulders. But there comes a time in the maturity continuum, when you need to be independent, having learned all the lessons and learned the ropes, what did they teach you from when you were small? It was about truth. It was about justice. It was about equity and peace. Friends, we're on a journey. We'll be back to talk about values and culture because they are not soft. They are things, they are often called soft factors, but in reality, they are not. They have a tangible impact on a country's performance, on organization's performance, and the personal performance. I'll stop you at this juncture, friends. Happy Independence Anniversary once again to everyone. And I hope and pray that Nigeria of our dreams will surely come to pass. If you and I do what is right, what is wrong will leave us alone. Thank you, and God bless you. And that was Navigate with ID. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.